It is not surprising if you are feeling lonely, even isolated these days. You are likely missing opportunities to get together with family or friends, social gatherings. I know I am missing uh, being here in our church building with you in person on Sunday mornings. And, and even if we are getting some social contact, some interaction with other human beings online, now, now you're even hearing that there's a thing called Zoom fatigue, where, where that is wearing on us. So obviously none of this is ideal. None of this is ideal. It's, it, and so it's not, and it's not surprising how we're feeling in the midst of this season of our lives because we all long, we all long for and need community. And that's not surprising to us either, perhaps, because if you think about what we know to be true about our God, what the Bible teaches us, our God, our one God, is a triune God. Our one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God has existed eternally, enjoying community. And then we his, his people, the humans, have been created in the image of God. We were created in his image to enjoy community. God desires to be in relationship with us. We have that opportunity for relationship, and he blesses us with the opportunity to have with relationships to enjoy community with those around us. So perhaps now, with what's swirling around us, what we're adjusting to in these days that we're living, perhaps now it's never been more obvious to my heart and mind, perhaps it's never been more obvious to your heart and mind that we all long for and need community. Hope you have your Bible there. Open your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Love you to have your Bible on your lap. Love you to keep your finger in God's word. We want to hear from him as we study his word. So grab your Bible or your Bible app. Find 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, today, we are actually concluding our series called Better Together. We've been, uh, for several months actually, 25 messages through this letter to an early church uh, from the, the Apostle Paul, a church leader, to an early church, this letter in our Bible called 1 Corinthians. And we've made our way all the way to the end, and we're going to conclude that series uh, together today. So before I get started, I'm actually going to invite you, right there where you are, you get to be the scripture reader this morning. So if you're watching this on your own, that's great. I want you to take some time to read chapter 16. If you're there with your spouse or with your family or some friends, I want you to right now press pause on this video and take a couple of minutes to read all of chapter 16. Go ahead and take some time to do that. No, really. Press pause and read chapter 16. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for humoring me. Now, we've, we've looked at the whole chapter. With my help here this morning, with God's help, we're going to take a closer look at the end of chapter 16 and, like I said, conclude our Better Together series. So, like I said last Sunday, this is the end of a letter. 
But that doesn't mean it's boring. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use it in our lives because this is God's word and his word is alive and active and applicable to us today. So while chapter 15 seemed more obvious, seemed more exciting, chapter 15 talked about the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. While that seems to have more obvious impact on us, let's not look past chapter 16, the conclusion of this letter, because God speaks to us here in this chapter as well. And I think what we continue to see here is how we, as his people, as followers of Jesus, how are we to live our lives in light of the gospel as a result of that glorious resurrection, as a result of what God has done for us through Jesus, how do we want to live our lives? How does God want us to live our lives? Let's jump in there. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. I just want to mention here that this is a letter being written by a, a Christian in one place to Christians in another place, another country, mentioning followers of Jesus in yet another place. And so what does this point out to us? This points out to us that through our connection with a local church, we individual followers of Jesus, through our connection with a local church family, we individuals are connected with a global movement, a global family. I want to mention here, too, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. There's a pastor and a scholar named Stephen Um, who I got to read from this week as I prepared for this, and, and his, uh, his, uh, his uh, study was very helpful to me, and so I've adapted some of what I learned from him this week. But through our connection with a local church, we are part of this bigger-than-us thing, this global movement, a global family. In this passage of Scripture, we see the term brothers three times, verses 12, 15, and 20. This, this term brothers, or brothers and sisters, are fellow followers of Jesus. This reminds us, this should give us this picture of, of this family, this movement that is more than us, bigger than just us, that following Jesus connects us to a family. And yet, there's individuals are mentioned. You just read the whole chapter, and, and in this part of the chapter, there's individual Christians are mentioned as well. So, so it's not that because we're in a big family, we lose our individuality. Individual Christians are mentioned. You, as a follower of Jesus, are known. Your contributions to the family of God are significant. You are uniquely made and gifted to be part of this family. And so in this passage, we see individual Christians are mentioned and valued and part of the family at the same time as the fact that in Christ and connected through our local church, we are part of this global church family as well. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. I want to clarify really quick that, that part there at the end of verse 13, act like men. Paul, the author here, is not contrasting uh, masculinity and femininity. femininity. Paul is, is contrasting full-grownness 
and childlikeness. There's an aspect here of let's, he's urging us to have a grown-up faith, to move on, to continue to grow. And so church family, the, the, the exhortation to us here in verse 13 is stand firm in the faith. That means that, that as a local church family, as a global church family, we are to be marked. One distinguishing characteristic of the church, local and global, we are to be marked by, by it being obvious that the gospel is central to all we do. We are to make the gospel one of our core values as individual Christians, as a local church family, as the, as the global church. We are to be marked by the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The good news is that God rescues sinners through Jesus. And, and that changes everything. We talk about that around here sometimes. The gospel should change everything about our lives, everything about us. The gospel impacts all we do and say. The gospel is not just for back when we first became followers of Jesus. The gospel applies to all we do and say today. The gospel has implications to every area of our life. The gospel changes everything. And so Paul is writing to these early Christians in a town called Corinth, and God's word is speaking to you and I today. This letter was written to those Corinthians, and those Corinthians were experiencing uncertainty. Does that sound familiar? You and I facing uncertainty today? And here's, here's what we see, that this uncertainty is not to hold the Corinthians back from continuing to grow spiritually. That this uncertainty that they face, this uncertainty that you and I face, is not to hold us back from continuing to grow in Jesus. It's not to hold us back from continuing to seek unity, to seek community and relationships because of Jesus, because of the good news of the gospel. So let's take a look at the next verse. Verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. We, we said that one distinguishing characteristic of, of this global church family is the gospel. And here in verse 14, we see a second characteristic. This, our, our local church family, our global church family, should also be distinguished. Another mark of our community should be love for one another. Everything, everything in our community, in our relationships, in the way we interact with, with each other and with others should be shaped by love. Think about why? Why is that? Why should our lives and our, and our relationships be shaped by love? What example do we have? What better example do we have than God's love for us expressed through the gospel, through the cross? Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were still stuck in sin, Jesus died for us. 
That is God's demonstration of love for us. And so a community, a church family, who has, been, who has experienced God's love poured out to us through Christ, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, a church family who has experienced God's love in that amazing way, it's just natural. It's necessary then for us to pour out that love to others. The love that God has shown to us, we pour out to one another. Our, our, our local and global community of faith should be marked by the gospel and should be marked by love for one another. Let's keep going in our passage. Verse 17. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. You know what I love about those couple of verses? I love that it's not just talking about leaders in the church uh, influencing or sharing with or encouraging members in the church. It's that every member is equipped. Every member is a Holy Spirit-empowered minister of the gospel. This is an example here in this letter, speaking to various Christians and how they serve and impact and care for and encourage one another. And I love that it's not just talking about leaders to members, but that every follower of Jesus is equipped to refresh other people with the good news of the gospel, to be an encouragement, to help one another be strengthened in their spiritual life. So we are to be a blessing to one another. We are to make the gospel one of our core values, and we are to make loving community one of our core values. The Christian community, our local church family, faith church, and Christians everywhere should be distinguished, should be known as people of the gospel, the good news people, and we should be known as people of love, that will love one another, that are, that, that are in a loving community. So now let's not just know those things. Let's not just talk about how, yeah, a church family should be loving and a church family should express the gospel. Let's apply this. Let's take a few moments now to apply this. What does this have to do with our lives? If we are a Christian community that is marked by the gospel and by love, what does that look like? What are a couple ways that we apply that. Take a look at verse 19 and following with me. Verse 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Again, this is is a letter we could look at this and go, what does this have to do with us? It's It's just the closing of a letter. But I think what we want to see here, Paul writing this letter to the Corinthians and God speaking to us today through his word, Paul wants the Corinthians to know, God wants us to know, that, and wants us to recognize our connection to Christians around the world. That we don't just exist in in a bubble of our own experience in our own geographical region, but, but Paul is reminding us to recognize that we are connected to Christians all over the world. And as a result, we ought to take an interest in the global advancement of the gospel. As followers of Jesus here in Dallas, Oregon, 
because we are united with a global church family, we should have interest. We need to take interest in, in the good news of Jesus being spread near and far. And that's true of us here at Faith Church. We, we get the opportunity as a church family to support several missionary families and to hear from them and their impact around the world. We ask God to show us how we can participate in, in proclaiming God's love and the good news of Jesus to people near and far. So speaking of taking an interest, taking an interest in the global advancement of the gospel, let's do that right now. Isn't that great? I hope that you'll take advantage of, of that opportunity to learn more about the Hedeans and their ministry in Papua New Guinea. Check, go to our website, as we just said, and be sure to check out that video. Let's look at another place we can apply this. As followers of Jesus in a local church community, we're connected with a broader church family, a global church family, and, and how does that impact our lives? Number one, we just talked about that, that it should help us take an interest in, in, in seeing the good news of Jesus proclaimed across the globe. The other thing we can do to apply this here is that a Christian community marked by the gospel and by loving one another helps us avoid division. You know, Paul has been writing this letter to the Corinthians, and a lot of this letter has been spent with Paul uh, correcting the Corinthians and, and explaining to them lots of things that they could divide over or were dividing over that they probably should not have been dividing over. So Paul has been writing this letter and in reminding them that because of the gospel and because of loving one another, they're, they're, they should not be dividing over the, in these unnecessary areas. We too, you and I, our church family, we too, if not careful, could divide over things we should not divide over, right? Even now, with what we're experiencing in the world, we can think of examples. Our culture is creating these hot-button issues, and they want to force us to, to an extreme, to take a side, to pick a viewpoint, and to create division, and to fight over it. I mean, you think about some of the things that are being argued in our culture right now, like how serious is COVID-19? arguing, fighting, or, or how should the government be handling this response to COVID-19? These areas are causing divisive opinions. And I, I, I'm not saying you should not have an opinion. You, should ha you, you can be a thinker and have an opinion. I'm encouraging you to be a citizen of our great country, to, in, to um, engage your citizenship as a follower of Jesus. But I want us to remember, too, that there, that there is a world full of people who don't yet know Jesus, who are watching us and wanting to see how Christians respond to these potentially divisive issues, to how we respond, to how we react, to how we treat other people. We as Christians have an opportunity here, and so I'll urge you, don't fight. <laughs> don't complain so loudly. Don't divide over something where there is no one right answer. Don't argue, fight, divide as if there's one right answer and you've got it. We've gotta be careful there, right? Complicated issues 
don't have just one obvious, correct, right way to proceed. So we could be known by our divisiveness and our fighting and our behavior, or we could be known, we could be marked, we could be a community of people marked by the good news of Jesus and by love for one another. And even right here in our church, we need to guard against things we could divide over. Just a few minutes ago, Pastor Ed invited you to participate in a survey because we have important decisions that will be made in the coming weeks and months in our church family. We wanted to invite you to be part of this survey so that we can get your feedback, so that we can assess how you are feeling about the potential, and we wanted to assess your comfort level of, of potentially at some point in the future resuming in-person ministry, in-person gatherings within our church family. And if we're not careful, even those opinions could divide us, right? By the way, please pray for us. We, we've, we've said this before, but would you, would you be praying for us leaders, staff, and elders in our church family? Uh, just in the last couple of days, the governor of our state has, has given out some more detail about what, um, how, how things will look in the coming weeks and months. And, and we look forward to more details on that in the coming week or two. So as we absorb that information, as we process that, and as we look to honor God by honoring uh, local governing authorities and, and by taking into account important health authority uh, recommendations, as we look to do that, would you be praying for us, trusting that God will work in and through us, that we are looking out for your best interest, that we are asking God to help us honor him in all that we do, so that as we make decisions about how and when to resume ministry in person, that he will show us, that he will be the one leading us forward. Please be praying for us. But again, if we're not careful, even that, even opinions about how and when we should resume could divide us, or we ask God to help our church family be distinguished, be known for centering on the gospel, keeping, keeping the good news of Jesus at the core and keeping love for one another a priority so that we are not divided. Let's check out the last couple verses in this whole letter. The last couple verses of our study called Better Together through the book of 1 Corinthians, verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. May love, my love, be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. The last thing we want to think about, the last emphasis that we want to make, the place that we want to leave our study through the book of 1 Corinthians is this. What is it that bonds us together in a, in a church family? What is it that bonds us and unites us with a global church family? What ties us together with our missionaries and the people that they serve all across the globe? What unites us. What do we unite around? Or should I say, of course, who do we unite around so that we love and don't divide? The only basis and foundation, the only basis and foundation for our togetherness as a church family is Jesus. So may our lives, may our words and actions, be, may our lives be lived out in light of the good news of what God has done for us. May our lives reflect 
God's love shown to us through Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, for your goodness to us in so many ways. God, even in the midst of these difficult times, even in the midst of the uncertainty that is swirling around us, God, we want to come to you. We want to kneel at your feet, recognizing your greatness, your goodness, your love for us. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you that at the cross, we've been made right with you. Thank you for the victorious resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. God, we, we, we celebrate with thankfulness that, that Jesus' resurrection life tells us that we too can have new life with you. God, thank you for making it possible for us to be made right, to be put back in relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for forgiving our sins. We know that we fall short. We rebel against you. We go our own way. Father, forgive us and remind us of the fact that you have rescued us through Jesus and brought us into your family, adopted us into your family, given us local church family and global church family. Father, we pray now that our lives would be lived in light of the good news of Jesus. Father God, may our church be marked by the gospel. May we have the gospel as our core commitment. And would our church be marked by love? Would you help us to keep love as a core commitment? Father God, we love you. We thank you for being with us. Help us to live for you in all we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church family, we now have an opportunity to worship through our giving and through lifting our voices in song. Let's worship our great God together.